sad bastard. I'm Dave Ternowski. And this week is all lightning round. As you know, on my Instagram accounts, Nick Cave and the Bad Memes and Sad Peaks, I do Q&A in the stories, those things at the top that most people skip. Which you really shouldn't. Some of the best stuff is up there, like mine. Anyway, I ask people what's on their mind and they submit all sorts of things. Some funny, some sad, some deeply sad, and some just absurd. And the occasional happy response, which is always nice. But this isn't the happy bastard, so I won't torture you with those. Okay, maybe. We'll see how it goes. First up is Sophie, who asked, Why do guys think it's acceptable to ghost someone? What's it about? It's crazy and unacceptable adulting. This is so not just a guy thing, Sophie. Ghosting is just easier. Especially if it's something new or fairly new. I'm not saying it's right. I definitely prefer to send or receive a text saying I can't do this, I'm not interested, whatever. But then there are the follow-up texts. The I still think about you texts. The we had such a great connection, I just don't understand texts. I understand ghosting because I've been that guy. That guy who just doesn't get it. It's over. I call it going from yes to ew. And sometimes it happens really fast. Like right now. I know I'm not ready for anything. I want to be. And so that part of me that wants will convince me to go for something in the heat of the moment. I think it's the amygdala, the part of the brain that controls the emotions. Then the next day, the rational part takes over and it's like, no. It's unfair to them, and it's unfair to you. Maybe it's worse for me because I'm bipolar. And I also hate confrontation. And ghosting is absolutely the coward's way out most of the time. It's hard to hurt someone. Especially if there seems to be a deep connection. But you always need to look out for yourself. I think it's fair to stop responding after a text that breaks it off. Or, you know, an in-person breakup. Or a phone call. It's never easy to be dumped. Fucking hurts. Being rejected. That's like everyone's fear. But I do believe the ghoster is doing you a favor. They are not ready, or they are just not into you. Either way, they are not for you. Next up is an anonymous follower who wrote, Afraid of falling again, and don't even try anymore. I know how that feels. There's a part of me that doesn't want to try anymore either. But mostly because I'm afraid of the inevitable pain. I feel like I will always fuck up. I miss being in love. I mean, I'm still in love, 
but it's with someone I can't be with anymore and I need to get over. It's been almost 10 months and I know I still need time to heal, but I also know it would be a lot easier to be with someone new. To feel something new that will help me stop holding on to the past. But once things aren't new, unless they become a relationship, I tend to lose interest. It's the same for me with any project I start and can't finish. It reminds me of a scene from Mad Men, where Don Draper, the lead character and incessant philanderer, breaks up over the phone with the woman he had been seeing because he started seeing someone else and immediately got engaged. The woman being rejected, Faye Miller, says right before hanging up, Well, I hope you're very happy, and I hope she knows you only like the beginnings of things. Love is great, but it will break your fucking heart. It's worth it, though. It's worth trying again. You may just not be ready yet. Like me. Next up is Christina, who wrote, I don't know what it means to forgive and how to do it. This is a tough one, mainly because forgiveness is so hard, especially when it's about something major. I've always had a hard time forgiving, especially myself. And that comes from years of not being able to accept myself, of thinking I'm a piece of shit, a total fuck up, absolutely insecure, a pussy, as tough guys say. I spent so many years of my life not believing I was worth anyone's time. I'd been rejected so often when I was a teenager by girls I liked, close friends who turned on me. And that's stuff I've carried for years. But what I've learned is I've had to forgive myself for all of it. To forgive myself for not being there for myself. I'm only just learning how to do that. And it's been allowing me to forgive others as well. I went through most of my life telling myself I hate people. Really, I was just insecure from so much of my past. When I get to know someone and feel a connection, I absolutely love them. And I'm a huge hugger, a bear hugger. It's part of what's been so fucking hard about this pandemic. The lack of human connection. Physical touch. Plus the lack of friends I have where I live something I have also had a hard time forgiving myself for. I made my ex my everything. And the only people in the city I made friends with were with her and her people. To an extent, I was doing that before we moved, but I was still in a town where I had some friends and family. To forgive is to have compassion for yourself and others. That is the whole point of life. If you can do that, if you can understand that everyone carries baggage 
we are more similar than you might think, then you can understand forgiveness more. And here's another one from an anonymous follower. Life is fucking meaningless. Why the fuck do we endure it and not just kill ourselves? Hope. For me, it's that simple. There is no hope if you're dead. And you find your own meaning in life. You find many meanings to keep living. If you look for them. If you just sit there and think everything is pointless and life is just suffering, you're right. And life is suffering. It's always there, waiting, lurking. We are all going to die. And we know it. But there's good stuff too. There's love, sex, drugs, music, movies, TV, friends, family, nature, stuff. I love stuff. As I've said before, suicide is a comfort. We always have a way out. It's always there for us. My way out is the Grand Canyon. If things go that way, I'm diving in there. But I want to do it when it's like the first time I visited. It was a rainy morning when my ex and I arrived. And the canyon was literally filled with clouds. Eventually they lifted, revealing the canyon in all its majesty, which is literally beyond words. I mean, you need to see it. But I want to dive into the clouds, if I ever do it. If life is ever too painful. If it's ever hopeless. May that day never come. And may it never come for you. May you find your reason, your meaning, your why. And may you be able to live through any how. Next up is Taika, who wrote, Why must I always assume the worst is about to happen? I am the exact same way. And I think it's because I feel like I deserve the worst. I don't deserve to be happy. And when I am happy, I almost always do something to fuck it up. Like right now, I'm saving up to move back to New York, and I'm doing really well. But I still have to file my taxes. And of course I'm worried I'm going to owe a shit ton of money. I'm always paranoid I'm going to lose my job and not be able to live. Everything is the fucking worst case scenario with me. I was always afraid of losing my wife, so I was always doing stuff to make her leave me. Again, not feeling worthy of happiness. And that led me to not even bother setting boundaries with others. Whatever they wanted, I would do that led to self-destruction. Whatever they didn't want, I would do. 
So I'm starting to really try to figure out what it is I need and what I want. Though knowing what I don't want is just as important, if not more. I don't want to feel ashamed of myself all the time. This goes back to forgiveness, self-forgiveness, and acceptance. I may always feel like the worst thing is going to happen, but I will always hope that the best thing will too. I just need to figure out what that best thing is. Next up is my friend Melissa, who wrote, Therapy messes me up sometimes more than the initial trauma did. And it makes me have a hard time going in, voluntarily stirring up all that pain and anxiety. I always think of that episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, The Gang Gets Analyzed, when Frank, the character played by Danny DeVito, is talking about past trauma and starts crying and says, You unzipped me, Doc! Therapy can be really fucking tough. But when it is, you're doing it right. You're digging into the sediment that makes up who you are and unearthing some really painful shit. And that's a very good thing. I understand it's hard to face those things, Melissa. But you need to in order to move past them. The more you stare the fear in the face, the less scary it is. The more you accept the things that happened, the more you allow yourself to forgive and let go. And the better the therapy is. And the more painful it is. And the more you'll want to avoid it. I used to want to avoid going to the couples therapist my ex and I went to for years. And largely it was because she was the best therapist I had ever had. She saw me. She saw right through me. But she let me get to where she already was, waiting for me, on my own. She always called it doing the work, and I always fought against that. What does that mean? What is the work? The work is just being honest with yourself, which of course is hard fucking work. Especially if you've been lying to yourself for years like I had been. I'm deep into the sediment. But there are still so many layers to dig through. And there are things buried in spots in the sediment I've already dug through. It's a process of going over and over a lot of the same ground until you put all of the pieces together. And the thing about putting all the pieces together is you need to find them first. Sometimes they find you first. Something falls into place and just clicks. Those eureka moments make therapy all worth it. Worth sitting through session after painful session. Pain is growth. So keep going. Even though you know it's scary. Go because it's scary.
go because you never know what you are going to find on the next dig. You are an archaeologist in those sessions. You are figuring out what makes you who you are right now. And that is an absolutely beautiful person. Yes, you have flaws. I have plenty of flaws. Everyone who is listening has flaws. But they are what make us beautiful if we embrace them. They are what help us be better. To ourselves and others. Next up is Sailor, who wrote, I was misdiagnosed and just found out recently I'm actually bipolar. And now I'm second guessing all the choices I made in the last however many years. Did some stupid shit because of emotions that may not have been genuine. I've fallen into that trap many times since I got diagnosed with bipolar almost a year ago now. Especially after my wife and I split up. When I started reading up on it and the symptoms, I was like, holy shit! This is me. It was like having an owner's manual for my brain. I understood so much of why I am the way I am and why I've done the things I've done. But that doesn't change anything. I still did those things. Sure, I have being bipolar to thank for most of it probably, but I can't blame it. I mean, I can, right? No, no, of course I can. But can't I? No, no, stop. What's important is knowing the signs, knowing the triggers, knowing that we're prone to risky behavior, major mood swings, and trying to notice them when they start rearing their ugly heads. I wish I had gotten diagnosed earlier just like I wish I hadn't done all the shitty things I did before knowing why or what the root cause was. But that doesn't change anything. It's not a helpful way of thinking. Nor is it a get-out-of-jail-free card. I don't suddenly feel less guilty for the part I played in ruining my marriage. I don't blame being bipolar for lying and cheating and hiding shit. I can look at all of that and think, yes, I likely did that because of my mental illness. But does it mean I didn't have free will? It's a very slippery slope. I know bipolar folks are prone to being addicts. But there's also self-control. Moderation, or so I've heard. For me, it's kind of all or nothing. But I'm trying to learn to be different. Trying to learn self-control. I'm noticing when I'm doing something that isn't good for me, and pulling back. Just as I'm learning to forgive myself for my relapses. Everything comes back to forgiveness. Compassion is a large part of it, but so is understanding. It's all connected. You need to be compassionate to be understanding. 
and you need to be understanding to forgive. And to forgive, you need to be compassionate. Mental illness absolutely sucks no matter how you cut it. But with therapy, medication, and stuff like meditation, lifestyle changes, we can help ourselves be better. Not all the time. Not even more often than not. But I don't think most people are good more often than not. To use one of my favorite quotes, this one from Natasha Leone's character Nadia in Russian Doll, being a person is a fucking nightmare. Being a person with a mental illness can be even worse. Next up is Heather, who wrote, Doing everything possible except the task at hand I should be doing. Well, Heather, I'm currently writing this on my phone as I sit in front of my work computer that I should be paying attention to. Fuck shoulds. I always want to do things other than what I'm supposed to do. I often wonder if I have ADHD on top of bipolar. Though I know one of the hallmarks of bipolar is starting projects and not finishing them, which explains all of my unfinished novels and why I only ever clean up like half my apartment at a time. Next up is Crystal who wrote, I bet you're a good cuddler. Yes, I am, Crystal. Yes, I am. Fuck, I miss cuddling. Even more than sex. Though not more than kissing. Kissing is the ultimate intimacy, I think. And holding hands. There was a line that I once wrote in one of those unfinished novels I mentioned. I've had sex with far more women than I've held hands with. I didn't want to give them the wrong idea. It's the same with cuddling. That's reserved for very special people. It's a vulnerableness. It's intimacy. People throw that word intimate around like it means anything sexual. I've had sex with lots of people I wasn't intimate with. There's a sense of safety when it comes to cuddling. And the oxytocin is just so wonderful. There's nothing quite like it. And then drifting off to sleep holding each other. Fuck, I miss my wife. My ex. I still need to learn to call her that. It still doesn't feel right. Anyway, she was the best cuddler I've ever been with. Her head landed in the exact perfect spot on my chest. Her forehead was the most kissable ever. Okay, okay, next submission. Matt wrote, I'm horny, but I don't want to be in a relationship. Now I'm just lonely. Matt, you know there's a middle ground called casual sex, right? But I get it. Casual sex can be truly depressing after the first hundred times. When you can't even remember the name of the person you're fucking while you're fucking them, you know you have a problem. There was this one time, though, while I was in the middle of having sex with a woman, where she stopped and she said to me, 
You know we could never do this again, right? I just shrugged and we finished. We awkwardly got dressed. And then I walked her to the train station in the rain. I wasn't sad about not seeing her again, but it was what she said and how she said it so matter-of-factly. And it just made me feel like trash. It was that moment that I knew I didn't want to keep having casual sex. By that point, it had been years since I had been in a relationship, and I felt completely alone in the world. So maybe casual sex isn't the best idea, Matt. Maybe just masturbate, and then move on with your life. Next up is Amin, who asked, How can I make my dark friend happier? This one is simple, by accepting them for who they are and being their friend. Next up is Alkis, who wrote, My perfectionism is ruining everything. Oh, I've been there. The thing about being a perfectionist is nothing is ever perfect. And the more you work on something, the more you alter it. You'll get to a point when you wish you had left alone like a year ago. At least that's how I was with those unfinished novels. Perfectionism ironically leads to things being so far from perfect that you wonder why you ever thought they could ever be perfect to begin with. Leo asked, How can I better support my partner when they are expressing suicidal ideation? First of all, Leo, be there for them as compassionately and without judgment as you can. Make sure you don't make it about you. I'm sure this can be hard. You probably think that you're the one that's supposed to make them happy that it's a failing on your part. I was on the other side of it with my ex. My anxiety was so high I wanted to jump off the roof all the time. Oddly enough, I never wanted to kill myself when I was depressed. At least not when I was with my ex. After the split, I thought about it all the time. And are they seeing a therapist, Leah? Are they isolating? Encourage them to talk about it more, with you and others. Friends, family, or to just reach out to others in general. They may not even know what it is that's causing these feelings. So it's just helpful to try to articulate them. Next up is Andrew, who wrote, Man, I woke up today super sad. I'm 20 and don't even like myself or have any goals. Andrew, I'm 43 and only starting to like myself and figure out what I want to do with my life. You've got plenty of time. Make one of your goals liking yourself. That's a damn fine goal. Next up is Ryan, who asked, Should I get back with my ex? Ryan, I guess it depends on why you broke up in the first place. There's definitely something to getting back together. At least once. 
just like there's something to wanting to be in a romantic relationship with a friend. There's history there. There's love. But does that mean it's a good idea? In the case of getting back with an ex, it could just be safety, routine, not wanting to start all over with someone new. But again, why did you break up in the first place? I spent months wanting to get back together with my wife. We were together for nearly seven years, and we had a lot of great times together. But we were also super incompatible in so many ways. She always used to say we were a dynamic couple, and our differences did balance each other out. But we also both wanted to change each other. The more time goes by, the more I think about how unhappy we were at the end, and how unhappy and lonely I was. Is the ex you want back even the same person they were when you were with them? Is it a memory you're romanticizing? And if they have changed, do you like them more now? Have you changed or have you stayed in the same place? And do they want you back? This is not something to take lightly. Things could be very different, but they can also be the same and not necessarily in a good way. The things that caused you to break up in the first place are still there. But hey, everyone is different. Things could work out great for you. So if it's something you both want, go for it. Just try to make something new out of it. Learn from what didn't work last time. Set boundaries you maybe didn't have back then. Negotiate the terms of the new relationship and love each other better. Those are my thoughts. I can't tell you if you should. Again, fuck shoulds. Do you want to? That's the only question that matters. Next up is Nadine, who wrote, We ended things. He was so kind all the time, I can't even be mad at him. But he loves someone else. I'm so sorry, Nadine. Breakups are the fucking worst. But if he loves someone else, ending things was for the best. Think of how miserable things would be if he stayed with you and carried this love for someone else. That wouldn't be fair to you at all. To either of you. We can't help who we fall in love with. Or if we can't let go of someone from our past. I don't know the full context of what happened or how it ended. So I don't know exactly what to say. But it's good that you're not holding any anger. Anger and resentment will only hurt you. Forgiveness is the key. And apparently what most of this episode is about. You will find someone better who loves you the way you deserve to be loved. Don't accept anything less. Patrick wrote, I had a dream about my ex, and I feel like every bit of progress I made has gone out the window. Patrick, I assure you it didn't. 
We all go backwards in recovery sometimes. It's like a relapse when you're trying to quit a drug. Relationships are addictions. But the thing about dreams is they're just your mind working through the shit you've been thinking about. I've had so many dreams about my wife since we split. All of them terrible. Never once did I dream that we had gotten back together or that she had forgiven me. And I always woke up sad. Quite often that spiral into a deep depression, especially during phases when they'd happen night after night. But that passes the more time goes on. The progress you made is still there. You just miss her. I totally get that. And it's okay. This morning I woke from a dream that featured a bunch of co-workers. But it wasn't at the office, it was in a department store. Oh, and I was naked through the entire thing. The only time I felt awkward about it was when I went to the bathroom to take a peek. It was one of those bathrooms with a whole bunch of urinals, and some random guy was in there coming on to me. I didn't even pee, I just turned and walked away, and he followed me and smacked my ass. Now what the fuck was that about? Next up is Andrea, or Andrea, I don't want to assume, who wrote, I'm happy right now. I've got plans for my life. Hope it's the same for you. I'm happy you're happy, Andrea, or Andrea. As for me, my only plans at the moment are moving back to New York this summer and starting over. I'm sad that things can't work out with my wife. But since that's the case, suck it, DC. I don't know that I was ever truly happy here. And even though I have always had a love-hate relationship with New York, it's a far better city as far as things to see and places to go. I mean, yeah, there's all the government history here, monuments and all that shit, but... Meh. If I hadn't come here to live with my wife, I wouldn't have spent more than a few days here. That said, I haven't been to New York since before the pandemic. So I'll see next week when I go for a visit if it's truly better. At least I'll have friends and family there familiar surroundings. And I'm looking forward to meeting new people, and having new experiences, and then figuring out my next steps. I definitely want to do more with my life. This podcast and the Instagram stuff is great, but I want more. I want to be able to make a living without having to work a day job that fills nothing but my bank account. I want to get back to fiction writing. I want to get into voice acting, voiceover work, audiobooks. I want to stop being afraid. Stop telling myself I can't do stuff or don't know how and just do it. But I also just want to be at peace with myself, to be more happy than sad. And maybe I'll meet the next love of my life and grow old with them. 
but I don't have any plans really. More like goals. The plans will come when I settle into my new life. When I let go of the past for good because my present makes me feel hopeful and excited for the future. I've never been one to think very far ahead, but I'm looking forward to becoming that person. And finally, Andrew wrote in, Cling wrap clings to nothing but itself. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks so much for listening. As always, please subscribe to this podcast if you don't already. And rate, review, and share with everyone you know who could benefit from it. And also follow my Instagram accounts, Nick Cave and the Bad Memes, Sad Peaks, Don Trooper, Mimi Bridgers, and the Sad Bastard Pod. On Nick Cave and the Bad Memes and Sad Peaks, I do Q&As almost every day where you can tell me what's on your mind and I might reply to it on a future episode. And follow me on the Stereo app. It's Stereo.com backslash The Sad Bastard. I'll be back next week with a bit of a special episode. I'll be back home in New York from Friday to Monday and I'll be journaling the experience and then recording it for all of you as soon as I get home. Until then... Remember to forgive. It's all about compassion and understanding, especially for yourself. Taking me down, my friend, as they usher me off to my end. Will I bid you adieu? Will I be seeing you soon? What they say around here is true Then we'll meet again Me and